the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Dina Arnett is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. Satara is under separate ownership for Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKinney is not affiliated with Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is a marketing assistant of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and is associated with Satara Advisor Networks, LLC. It is time now for Making Money Sense with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. There you go. It's time for another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Hey, hey, and look who's in studio with us once again. Good to have you, Dana. Yeah, (laughs) we expected it, but still, you know, it's kind of a nice surprise. We love having you here, so welcome. It's so nice to be here. Larry is actually off this weekend celebrating a birthday. A birthday. We're not talking about which one, or we are? We won't put any numbers on it. We'll just say that Larry is celebrating a milestone birthday this weekend. There you go. You can guess which one. That's fair enough. Good All right. Happy birthday, Larry. But happy birthday, Larry. That's right. On the heels of a big milestone birthday celebration, don't forget this Tuesday is Larry's webinar, Don't Let Unnecessary Taxes Erode Your Legacy. That webinar will be this Tuesday at noon and again at 6 p.m. All times are Eastern. So if you haven't yet signed up for this webinar, it's, it's a really, really good one. It's vital that Americans understand the tax issues, the tax changes regarding IRA money and estate planning. So if you haven't yet signed up, head on over to RosenthalWealthManagement.com. You'll click the link at the top of the screen that says education and events, and then it'll give you a drop-down menu, select the link for seminars, and go in there and register. These webinars are no cost, but we do have to register you if you're going to attend. Up on the top left of your screen, if you're watching this on YouTube, there's also a QR code that you can scan. It'll take you right there so you can register. I love technology. Isn't it nice? It's kind of fun. That's that's (laughs) awesome. So we'll talk some more about that before the show's over today. But let's talk about this week because stocks across the globe dropped this week amid higher bond yields. And we all know that higher bond yields mean that bond prices are falling. Yields up mean bond prices down. 
And the, the higher bond yields were part of the problem this week, but another part of the problem is this fear over the potential escalation of this war between Israel and Hamas. So the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ were all down 1.61% on the Dow, 2.39% on the S&P, and 3.16% on the NASDAQ. A lot of volatility this week. The yield on the U.S. 10-year Treasury, it touched, it, it tried to touch 5% this week, and that is the highest level since 2006. Mm. So a, a lot of, of things going on this week in the markets, in the economy, geopolitically, um, not the least of which is the price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude. It was up $4 this week. So a barrel of that oil is at $90.20. And speaking of volatility, the VIX, that, that Chicago Board of Options Exchange Volatility Index, that's why we call it the VIX, because that's a mouthful. <laughs> the VIX rose from 19.3 to 20 and a half. So what does that mean exactly? I've had a, had a few clients tell me, oh, you know, volatility is just so much higher than it's ever been. And, and I kind of looked at them and said, no, it's, no, it's really no. not. Appreciate it's it. really not. Um, so we look at the VIX as a way to measure stock market volatility. And I'll tell you, the long run average on the VIX is right around 21. So we hit 20 and a half this week from 19.3. So yeah, the volatility inched up a bit this week in light of all the things that I just said, but it's around historic averages. So if it feels like the volatility is a bit off the charts, either it feels that way because of everything that's in the news, oh my. Or, or you may have more risk in your portfolio than the market as a whole. How much of the geopolitical, I'm sorry, just to, just to ask you a question. How much of the sure. geopolitical stuff here that we're seeing, unfortunately, is, is horrible as it is, is going to affect us with regards to um, oil prices, for example, and things of that nature? Oil prices are the biggest thing I think that that stand the, the oil the oil industry I think is going to be the most readily impacted by mm -hmm. this I, I will say because and we've seen this in times past where there are Middle East conflicts it affects the supply of oil it affects the delivery of the oil and those things in in lack of supply demand if demand stays the same and supply goes down a bit, that means prices will go up. So I think we're already starting to see a little bit of that. Yeah. And if this Israel-Hamas war wages on and on, I think you could see oil prices go up more from here, certainly. Um, whether or not it presents a long-term market impact, I think that remains to be seen. It, it, um, it's, it's a real uncertain thing right now. I think if you see um, different governments around the world supplying troops and, and I think that's a potential escalator yeah. and escalators aren't necessarily good for the market. But again, we've seen decade after decade after decade where there is this sort of geopolitical unrest. It's in the Middle East, it's here, it's there. It always exists. Okay, we can't we can't find a a decade in history 
in modern history where we've had the stock market and we've had investments. You can't find a decade where there isn't something like this. Mm -hmm. So I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not frightened over what this means for the market long term, but could this make that VIX index go up a bit from here? Certainly. Mm -hmm. it's, the human, they, it's the human cost that's killing us. And we're just, we're yes. just sad yeah. for all of that situation over there and our hearts go out to those folks. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But in talking about the VIX, the VIX is sometimes called the fear index because it measures volatility. And as volatility goes up, the fear index is said to go up. So a good rule of thumb is that greater levels of fear and uncertainty in the market will tr will evidence themselves with a rising VIX, but it's levels above 30 that indicate real heavy uncertainty. So we're right now within normal range on the VIX, which means volatility isn't markedly higher on the whole mm. than normal times. So back to my original comment, if you feel that your portfolio is more volatile than what I've just described here, one of two things is going on. You, It may be a perception thing, and if it's not just a perception thing, it may very well be that your portfolio is taking on more risk than the market as a whole. And what I want to say to you, and we talk about this all the time, get a risk evaluation on your portfolio. Have an independent third party look at the level of risk in the portfolio. Compare it to the historic risk in the market and see where you land. If the risk is higher, that prompts a conversation hey, do we really want to be having more risk than the market in times like this? I would say maybe not. How does that work, mix with your personal risk? I mean, because don't you have your own sort of uh, risk adversities that you have to put in there as well? Well, you do, and that should tie to the risk of the portfolio. If you are somebody who is a swing-for-the-fences investor, <laughs> I want every penny of the upside that I can possibly get and I'm willing to take, every penny of the downside in order to get it. That level of risk is different than somebody who says, hey, I'm retiring in three years and I don't want the big downturns commensurate with whatever the market does. I'm closer to retirement than I've ever been. And this feels scary. Yeah. In, in a, those are two very different situations, and you would want to have that conversation in conjunction with the portfolio risk evaluation to make sure that they match. There you go. 855-767-3123 is the number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. If you'd like to talk to Dina, who's in the studio with us today, again, that's 855-ROSE-123. You know, talking about interest rates and, and treasury yields and all of this kind of thing, the Fed directly, the, the U.S. Federal Reserve, they directly impact those rates. And this week, Fed Chair, Fed Chair Jerome Powell spoke at the Economic Club in New York, and he said that given the uncertainties and risks the economy faces and how much they've raised rates already, the Fed is going to and I quote, proceed carefully, suggesting that they're in no hurry to raise rates further. I think that's good news for the market. Powell did acknowledge that the surge in bond yields could require the Fed to do less from here on out. There's still evidence of strong economic growth, and that's on the other side of that conversation. If those strong economic growth numbers persist, 
future hikes aren't off the table. He doesn't think monetary policy is too tight right now, but after his comments this week, the odds of an additional rate hike in the coming three meetings, those odds went down after Powell spoke. We were at 54% uh, on Wednesday's close and by Friday morning, those odds were down to 33%. So what that says is that the markets are anticipating that the Fed doesn't have to raise rates anymore from here. That would be probably a very welcome change to most people. We saw 30-year fixed mortgage rates touch 8% oh, this week. I know, I know. Yeah. So, um, and, when you, and when you look at those kinds of metrics, you know that that's going to affect the housing market. In fact, U.S. mortgage applications hit a 28-year low this week. <laughs> Yeah, we were spoiled with that 2% rate. I mean, we really and it was not real. I mean, it's real if you locked in a 30-year fixed, of course, but it was not historically normal. That was a period, a sustained period of abnormality. So if you got your 25 or 3% mortgage, two thumbs up because this year, this week, sorry, they hit almost 8%, which is a little above historic averages, but not by much. Oh, goodness. 855-ROSE-123, that's 855-767-3123. If you'd like to call in and talk to Dina here today, we're going to be back in just a moment with more The Larry Rosenthal Show. Hang in there. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Get started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the Financial Planning Toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. 
Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. If you'd like to dial in, 855-ROSE-123. Kathy's on the line with us from D.C. Hello, Kathy. What's going on? Good morning, Bob, and good morning, Dina. Uh, hey, Kathy, I recognize voice. that voice. <laughs> I, I just wanted to call this morning and say thank you to Larry and Bob and Dina and the whole team for doing this show. It has been a ministry, and if it weren't for this show, I would probably be in a very different situation as I approach retirement. It prompted me to call the office, and I have been working with Dina over the last eight or so years, and I can truly say um, I've gotten a lot smarter. (laughs) And I leave every one of those planning sessions and conversations just feeling lighter. And so I just wanted to say thank you and give you all a shout-out. Wow, you're you're making okay. Dina blush here. I think. She's oh, here. thank you. I appreciate that so much, Kathy. And uh, boy, has it been eight years we've worked together that long? Yeah. Wow. Well, well, yeah. I I appreciate you. I appreciate the work that we do together, and I appreciate you listening to the show and calling in. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great day. Bye bye now. Have a good one. That's nice to hear that. 855 oh, That was super cool. I like that. Yep. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. If you've got any questions that you'd like to ask Dina, our financial planner here in studio with us today. We were talking about geopolitical things before, before the break. Uh, a few more little tidbits from the week. President Biden visited Israel on Wednesday. Um, He didn't get to hold his planned summit with Arab leaders because there were so many protests. Um, On Thursday evening, President Biden did ask the U.S. Congress for about $100 billion in aid, both to Russia, Ukraine, and to Israel, and a number of other things. But until lawmakers elect a new Speaker of the House, no legislation can go through that chamber. So hopefully this week um, the uh, the Republican Party will have a final vote and get that taken care of because the nation's business cannot go on without it. Yeah, we would really like you guys to get back work up there. Get back to work. Yeah, yeah come to some kind of agreement, please. Yes, that please would be do. nice. That would be. And in other things, China's economy shows signs of bottoming. Um, The Bloomberg report that bond market volatility exceeds stock market volatility by the widest margin in at least 18 years. We're seeing lots of of first-time-in-a-long-time type economic data. Normally, when we look to invest in bonds, we like the income, the interest that these bonds will generate, but we also like the fact that normally – Bond market volatility is a lot less than we see in the stock market. It's normally a nice offset to the roller coaster ride that we engage when we invest in stocks. Well, right now, bond market volatility is exceeding stock market volatility by the biggest amount in at least 18 years. That's definitely noteworthy. It's definitely something to discuss with your financial advisor and find out what that means for your portfolio. Again, make that part of the whole risk evaluation. In terms of recession talk, 
because we're still there, right? Really? We're still, the United States is still in what we call extended late cycle. If you picture an economic cycle looking sort of like a bell curve, mm. okay? When you're on the front end of that bell curve, the, the economy is expanding, businesses are growing, earnings are going up. And then when we come down the backside of that curve, the economy starts to contract and at some point, we normally see that contraction turn into a recession. We've been hanging out at this extended late cycle on the edge of recession, but not tipping over. We've been there for quite some time. And in fact, just this week, a Wall Street Journal quarterly survey of economists shows that most economists expect the U.S. to avoid recession. They expect the Fed to stop raising rates and inflation to continue falling. Wow. Well, that's good. That sounds pretty great to me. Yeah. So what is the, I, what is the definition of a recession then if we're sitting on the edge of it? Well, uh, there are a number of different definitions of recession yeah. okay you've got the textbook the the econ 101 textbook definition of recession and that's two consecutive quarters of falling gdp falling gross domestic product we technically had that earlier this year and people were screaming oh the recession is here but the nber it's that they're the organization that formally declares recession. The NBER said not so fast. That is one of many indicators we look at. And the NBER is looking for a wide, a very broad slowdown across most areas of the economy. Okay. I think you could make the argument that we've got that right now. If I look at the 12 leading economic indicators that we track, 10 of the 12 are signaling absolute recession. Two of the 12 are saying, hey, caution. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're not recessionary. We're not expansionary. We're in this cautionary period. And those two things are unemployment and truck shipments. Gotcha. There's no clear signs of it, though, so it's kind of hard for anybody to call it, right? I mean, it's kind of got all these different definitions. and It's, it's very interesting. The NBER has this very, very broad, um, this very broad definition. And I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can avert uh, what I feel is a coming recession. That would be very, very nice. It would be very nice if the Fed's done raising rates. It would be very, very nice if inflation continues dropping. I think... It is not unprecedented for the United States to show all these recessionary signs and, and yet manage to avoid it. It's not the common occurrence, but it is not without precedent. So we shall see. I thought that was a very nice survey, um, very optimistic. Well, all we can do is wait and see. There you go. As I have said many, many times before, a recession is a normal part of a business cycle. So to think that we will go forevermore, that there's some way to avoid a recession forevermore, no, yeah. that's not how that works. Gotcha. It is absolutely cyclical. And right now we're teetering on the edge and hopefully one foot's not on a banana peel. <laughs> well, there you go. On the phone with us now, we've got uh, Bill from Dumfries. Welcome, Bill. What is, uh, what's your question here for Dina? Hey, Bill. Yes. Hi, how you doing? I'm great. What can I do for you? 
Yes, uh, I got a question on uh, Roth conversions. Um, would you advise someone using their Roth money to pay taxes on the conversion, on the Roth conversion? Is that a wise thing to do, especially if you don't have the funds at the moment to pay for that conversion? Um, it is not the most desirable way to make the conversion. Um, the, the level of desirability depends on what tax bracket you're in. So if you're in the 22% federal income tax bracket and you convert $10,000, that's 2,200 of taxes that has to be paid for somehow. And if you pay those taxes from the converted amount, you start this, this Roth engagement, you start it behind by that $2,200. You have to make up that tax money before you start realizing any true tax-free growth for yourself. So that is not the most desirable way to handle it. I think you have to take into account, as I said, your tax bracket, mm -hmm. the amount of time that you have until you need the money. Because if you're going to convert money into Roth today, you have to let at least the earnings on that money sit untouched for five years. So it is preferable that you pay the taxes out of pocket. If you're in a low tax bracket, I think the hit's not as hard. But the bigger thing, too, is to make sure you're not converting money that you're going to need in less than five years. Okay, so if you're in a lower tax bracket, then does it make more sense than, than to use your Roth money if you have that? Or no? It's not as painful. I'm okay. not going to say that it's recommended <laughs> because it's not. Um, uh -huh. But it's just not as painful. I mean, think about it. In the example that I just gave you, I said uh -huh. if you're in the 22% tax bracket and you convert right. ten grand, that's 2200 of tax money that you've got to make back up. Right. If you're in the 10% bracket and you make a mm -hmm. conversion, okay, $1,000 of your ten goes to federal taxes. That's 10%. That's easier to make up than 22 I see. Okay, thank you very much. All right, Bill, you have a good one. Thanks for the call. Yeah, you you'd like, you'd like to dial in 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Give us a call right now to talk to Dina, who is answering your questions today, Dina. Yes. You know, interestingly enough, when we were um, talking last week, I, I did a, a segment last week on checking into old annuity contracts and making sure that the annuity contract you bought years ago still fits your financial plan today. I had a similar conversation with a client just this week on her long-term care insurance. She and I have been working together for years. We were updating her financial plan and we were doing a long-term care gap analysis. She wanted to make sure that if something happened in her retirement years and she needed extended care, that she would still be okay. Well, she has this, this long-term care policy that she bought in, I want to say 2009, hmm. something like that. So it's, been, it's, it's an older policy. So we pull, a, pull out the, what's called the declarations page. And this was from 2013. Okay, that's the last time she had an update on the different values on her long-term care policy. And I'll tell you what, we're going through this thing, and I started doing some math. It was, it was an older policy that still has the 5% compounded cost of living adjustment. I don't see many of those anymore. <laughs> so we start looking, and sure enough, 
under inflation protection, it says 5% automatic compound with cap. Uh -oh. I said, oh. I said, what's the cap? And she says, what do you mean, what's the cap? When's it stop? <laughs> and I said, well, on the paper right here, it says 5% automatic compound with cap. So we start going through and looking at the policy declarations page. And I calculated what her daily benefit amount should be at 5% compounded every year. And then I said, I don't know if we can rely on this number because I don't know what this compound with, with cap means. Well, compound sounds so, great, but the cap doesn't sound so good. Depends on when she hits the cap, yeah, right? But yeah. this brings into, into view the same conversation as with the annuities last week. Mm -hmm. Every policy that you have should warrant a review, and I'm going to say at least annually, on a long-term care policy specifically where you've got moving parts and by moving parts, I mean, you start out with a daily benefit amount. And if you've got a cost of living adjustment built into the policy, whether it's linked to the CPI, whether it's a flat number like three, four or 5%, you want to know on an, on an annual basis, how did those numbers change? They should be going up. So for example, back in 2013, this particular policy had a $240 a day nursing home benefit, but a lifetime maximum of $445,000. So those two numbers since 2013 should have gone up. Yeah. So we've got to look at this policy for this particular client and understand the limitations that compound with cap, I need to know. <laughs> Where does this max out? Yeah. It, and also need to know if it's still a good policy for the client's financial plan. Right. It sounds really good, but then again, you're going to need to dig into the to this fine print and find out what it actually means on all of this stuff. Well, and, and I, told, I told my client when we were doing this review for her, I said, this is a great policy and you would not get this policy today mm -hmm. for what you are currently paying because it's a, it's a rich policy with that 5% compound inflation uh, adjustment on it. It's automatic. It's, it's, it's a very, very nice policy. Um, I need to understand what those numbers look like today, and we need to factor that into her financial plan. But the other thing that I told her, and this is important for anyone who either already has a long-term care policy or you're considering buying one, if you have or are considering buying a traditional long-term care policy where they give you a certain amount of money each day for your care. They may have a certain percentage for home care or assisted living care. You've got to realize that this is not what I call a fixed premium product. It's not like your term life insurance where the cost will never ever go up. I tell every single client who buys long-term care insurance, the traditional type, not the hybrids with, with life insurance, that's a different animal. But if you're buying the traditional long-term care policy, you need to expect price increases as time goes. And those price increases never come at a good time. Mm -hmm. And as you're aging and as you're 
tolerance for risk goes down as your as your income becomes more fixed those price increases can get painful yeah, I've never heard about that. so if you already have a long-term care policy again one of the traditional policies not the hybrid but a traditional long-term care policy it is important annually to review that not only to see how the numbers have changed but also to consider any cost increases that have come your way. I've seen a lot of that this year. I have clients probably two or three a week who say, hey, I just got this letter from my long-term care insurance provider. They're raising my rates. What do I do? Hmm. So in that particular arena of financial planning, you've got to incorporate budget in uh, cost increases into your budget we don't know what they will be we don't know when they will be but i know that they will be is, is the long-term care policy is that something that you need to get early like with the investing in general to keep that price somewhat lower as you grow older or does that is it doesn't really matter when you get it it all counts so okay. if i've got somebody who's in their 50s and they're buying a long-term care policy that long-term care policy may cost them $150 today. And it may go up to 300 at some point in the future. I don't know when, mm -hmm. okay? The, the bigger thing about applying young is getting the coverage while you're healthy enough to qualify for it. Oh, there you go. Because long-term care insurance qualifications are a bit different than say life insurance. If you're, getting underwritten for a life insurance policy, that underwriter is looking to see if you have any conditions that can kill you. Mm -hmm. On a long-term care underwriting scenario, they're looking to see if you have conditions that could cause you to be sick and in a nursing home or, re or require home care for an extended period of time, because that's when the long-term care policy would have to pay benefits. So to get to apply for long-term care at a younger age, that in itself is a risk management idea because you're looking to do this while you're healthy enough to qualify for the coverage. Once you have the coverage, as long as you're making premium payments, they can't take it away. Yeah, and without that coverage, it could be devastating at some point. If you do need long-term care and you don't have that insurance policy in place, that it can be a devastating thing because they go after all of your assets, right? Well, they do. And every state has their what they call Medicaid spend down provisions. Um, and and they're they're pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a qualified long term care policy, you can actually use those policy proceeds to offset um, the, the Medicaid spend down. So there's a lot of benefits to having a long term care policy. And I have clients who will tell me, well, there's no way I can afford a policy that would cover everything. That's fine. But can we afford, can we budget for a policy that will cover something? In most cases, something is better than nothing. And potentially you can offset those risks with other investments or other things that can help you uh, at that time. Well, you can. You yeah. can you can do a combination of offloading some of the risk to a long-term care insurer and then assuming some of the risk yourself. So it's a partial self-insure, it's a partial deferral of risk to an insurance company. That's what I see most often. Gotcha. 
Hey, listen, if you'd like to dial in, 855-767-3123 is the phone number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. We're going to take another quick break. We will be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina here today in just a minute. Hang in there. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another money minute with larry rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum deposits buy and hold market timing how about dollar cost averaging put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval whether it's monthly quarterly annually whatever it may be this gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares you want to keep buying more and more shares over time On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. You've seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in to talk to Dina, who's in for Larry today, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. We need to talk about that upcoming webinar, Dina. We do. I I was... Just getting ready to say, if you want to hear directly from Larry Rosenthal himself, no better time than this Tuesday. Larry's going to be doing a webinar that talks about all the tax law changes, specifically with Secure Act 2.0. Secure Act 2.0 changed forever how our heirs and beneficiaries inherit IRA money. It changed forever the tax code and all the taxation that goes around estate planning. So you'll want to sign up for that. In order to sign up, you go to our website, RosenthalWealthManagement.com. You'll click the link that says Education and Events. Select the seminar link, and it will take you directly to the sign-up page. There will be a program at noon Eastern on Tuesday and then again at 6 p.m. Eastern. So you can either do a lunch and learn or a dinner and learn. But it's very, very good data, and it's stuff everyone should know. And again, if you're on YouTube, go uh, and uh, get your phone out and scan that QR code so that you can register right there on the on the YouTube, <laughs> on the YouTube, eight five five on the YouTube, on the YouTube, eight five five seven six seven three one two three. You can tell we're all getting old because yeah. we're calling things the Google, yeah, the, the Google. YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. Let's go do a video on the TikTok. There you go. <laughs> on that thing called TikTok, you know, that new modern fangled thing. Yeah, I know. We're getting old. What can we do? I, I have not. I, I probably am old because I have never done a TikTok. So you haven't? Oh, we've got I've to. never done the TikTok. We need to Perhaps. have you do one. That would be Perhaps me. I should. Yes, you should. That would be good. Uh, 
I'll get my kids to show me how to do it. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, so the past uh, the past couple of shows, I've I've emphasized the importance of going to your various policies, your annuity contracts, your long-term care insurance, your life insurance policies, and evaluate those against the financial plan. The long-term care policies, they have figures that will change on an annual basis. The daily benefit amount, the lifetime maximum amount, and sometimes I see weird quirks, like I saw this week, where a policy's got a 5% compound inflation adjustment on it, with a cap. So I'm going to recommend and always recommend reviewing things in light of your financial plan, but make a special effort with your financial advisor to sit down and review those policies and see where they fit, see if the benefits on them have capped out and perhaps there's a better option for you today. Um, and if you don't have someone who can do that for you, I'd be happy to just let me know. Yeah, I'd love to have you dial in also. You can dial in during the week, by the way, at 855-767-3123 and ask any questions about anything that's, right. that's on your mind, and, and uh, you'll get your help. You'll get helped out right there. If you want a long-term relationship, that's also available for you so that you can get your plan in place and get your future on track. That's right. That's right. So I've talked about the insurance things. In our remaining time today, I just want to talk about three mistakes that investors tend to make. Um, and, and I'm talking about long-term investors. I'm not talking about your day traders and people who are trying to get in and out and, and use algorithms and candle sticking and all these different techniques. I'm talking about long-term investors and mistakes that they can make in terms of, com in, in terms of building a long-term portfolio. So mistake number one is an excessive focus on earnings. Um, so, so often analysts can be overly reliant on this whole notion of earnings, EPS, earnings per share, um, when evaluating investments. EPS is often uh, seen as the best predictor for identifying companies that can deliver immediate growth and strong equity performance. But those numbers can be manipulated and lead to a more short-term view of a company's financial health. If you're a long-term investor, EPS is going to be important. You don't want to invest in companies that are losing money and that the outlook is that they're going to lose money forever. Okay, that's an easy one. But you can, that EPS figure can cause you to be too now-focused. You've got to look at a longer picture than just what the earnings per share is suggesting in the here and now. And using that type of metric leads to mistake number two. And mistake number two is arguably the biggest mistake that investors make. Mm. And that is attempting to time the market. Oh, yeah. Successful market timing. Doesn't exist. <laughs> Well, it, some, once in a while, people get lucky, yeah, okay? I've, okay? I've run across two, two people in, in my entire career that I thought, wow, they must have some sort of crystal ball because, <laughs> holy wow, they're really good at this. Yeah. But in general, market timing does not work. If you get lucky, it can lift your short-term returns but there's so much risk involved in trying to time the market. It's kind of like going to the casino, though, because one or two times you might get lucky, and then the rest of the time 
Maybe not. Uh, we've got a, a YouTube uh, uh, who's watching us on YouTube. Claudia has a question for you there. It's on your screen. Um, Claudia says, do you recommend long-term care insurance for everyone, or is it better to simply put savings away for it, maybe in, by investing said money? Claudia, that's a great question, and there's not a one-size-fits-all answer for you on this. With financial planning clients, one of the first analyses I do is what's called a long-term care gap analysis. I need to see if you need the coverage. Because if you've got enough assets set aside that you can self-insure, that's a different conversation. Sometimes I run a long-term care gap analysis, and I see right away that there's a need for coverage. So I will absolutely recommend it. I will shop it for you. I will teach you the different types of long-term care insurance. We'll price it out, and we'll see what works. So it's it's most assuredly not a... a one-size-fits-all response. Does everyone need long-term care insurance? No, everyone does not. But for those who do, it's, it's definitely something you want to shop. You want to understand the viability of the insurance company that's providing the policy. And you want to compare costs among different insurers for similar products. You're not gonna get the exact same product at every insurance company, but you can run illustrations where they're all in the same ballpark. And then you go from there. It is always a good idea to save money and put it aside and invest it for longer term ideas. But if you're someone who needs long-term care coverage, it is probably wise to go ahead and shop the policy, see what's affordable for your financial plan, and then supplement with savings if needed. Claudia, That's thanks. a great question, Claudia. Thank yeah, you. We appreciate that question. Remember that if you are watching us on uh, YouTube, you can put your questions in and we'll answer them live right here on the air each week. So, again, you can just go right to your chat box there and pop us up a question, and we will put it on the screen for Larry or for Dina to answer for you. 855-767-3123 is the number to call. If you've got a few minutes here, if you'd like to dial in, 855-ROSE-123. So we're talking about the top three mistakes that long-term investors make. Mistake number one is relying too heavily on earnings, too heavily on that earnings per share calculation. That forces a very short-term view of investing. And if you're a long-term investor, that's not the only metric. Attempting to time the market is arguably the biggest mistake that long-term investors make. You might get lucky on the front end and boost your returns a little bit in the short term, but the level of risk that you take when you attempt to time the market is more than I think most people want to deal with, okay? And in fact, it's, it's next to impossible to come up with some sort of market timing methodology that is consistent enough that it reduces the risk. Well, you see all these software programs uh, popping up that say that they can do it, but I've not seen one that has been accurate I'm all the time. Not convinced yet. I see, I see lots of things. Um, I'm on a couple of social media boards um, where I mostly just lurk and read things. Mm -hmm. But somebody asked a question on this one uh, financial board that I'm a member of, and another respondent copy and pasted a response from AI. 
and it was this whole big thing and it sounded very convincing. And then at the bottom, they said, you know, from chat GPT or by AI (laughs) or something like that. And immediately other respondents wrote back and said, well, here's another AI fail because this is inaccurate. This is inaccurate. This is inaccurate. Wow. And it was, it was absolutely, it was part true, part old dated information that made it not true. So I'm, I, will there become, will there come a day where AI is, is more accurate and, and all of that? Oh, maybe, maybe. But at this point, I haven't seen anything on AI that's going to consistently time the market in a way that's beneficial. And in fact, one of the biggest bits of research and people in my industry talk about this all the time, and it, and it is absolutely valid because if you miss the 10 best trading days in a 10-year period, the underperformance of your portfolio versus the market as a whole, the underperformance is significant. So the, the attempting to time the market may actually do the opposite of what you want it to do. You want to boost your returns? More often than not, this market timing idea shoots you in the foot and lowers your returns. Yeah. How, how's that for for doing the opposite? <laughs> That's right. Thanks for those uh, AI questions, right? Or those AI those AI people. That I'm not so sure they're always very accurate. I've asked some questions before in the past and gotten some fails as well. So, you know. Well, sure. AI is still very new technology. Mm-hmm. We're, I, I liken where we are with with AI today to what the the internet was like in 1998 when I started my career. So I started in this line of work in 1998, just as we were first learning about companies like Amazon. Um, We were starting to learn about the internet and how the internet works and researching and doing all these things. But it took a while for those tech type companies to really start making money and for them to become a regular part of our lives. And I think that's about where we are with AI right now. AI is fascinating. We see the application. We see the potential. But it's not 100% yet. How do you feel about investments with with AI? What do you think? Should that be part part of your investments in the the sector? In the sector. Or I I think that you're going to see some of the big players like Microsoft, Google, Amazon. I I think you're going to see them. Um, be the the early adopters, mm-hmm. but you're also going to see some small companies come out with something. I, I don't I don't even know what at this stage, but they'll come out with something that makes them either a viable target to be gobbled up by one of the big guys, mm-hmm. or their own standalone investment opportunity. We're on the front end. Companies haven't even fully learned how to monetize AI yet. There's a lot to come with it, a lot. Yeah, I remember when Bitcoin and those kinds of things came out for the first time, there was the same kinds of questions that were asked about, is it a viable currency? Will it make money? Uh, and we're, yeah. still, we're still not at the point where we understand that as being a very viable investment yet. So, you know. Well, and that's, you know, I still consider that um, on the speculative end of Risky, things. Yeah. And 
And there are just so many. Bitcoin was the original, but my goodness, there are so many different oh, yeah. digital currencies out there. I think in that market as well, you're going to see some consolidating over time. Yeah. And then it'll become clearer what works and what doesn't. You bet. Well, we got about four minutes left in the program here, Dina. Let's talk quickly about the webinar, and then we can sort of wrap up the program. Absolutely. Larry's bringing his webinar back to the airwaves on Tuesday, October 24th. We're going to have one webinar at noon Eastern time. We're going to have another at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Larry's going to be talking about all of those changes associated with the SECURE Act 2.0. That act changed forever how people inherit IRA 401k retirement plan money. It changed the face of estate planning. And if you don't know the new rules, it won't be you necessarily who, who pays the exorbitant taxes, but it'll be your heirs and your beneficiaries. So Larry's going to teach us how to avoid some of that. If you haven't registered, there's still time. Go to RosenthalWealthManagement.com, click on the Education and Events tab, and then select Seminars. You can do a lunch and learn, you can do a dinner and learn, and you will have the opportunity to ask questions of Larry Rosenthal while the webinar is going on. Yeah, it's really nice to have those participating questions. When you do participate, we get a lot of reactions, and Larry really answers all the questions, so make sure that you register. We'd love to have you there. That's right. We talked about reviewing all of your insurance policies, at least annually. Do those in conjunction with a financial plan update. Make sure you still need them. Make sure they still provide what your financial plan needs. And then lastly, we talked about three mistakes that long-term investors make. Long-term investors don't need to focus too heavily on earnings per share. That's a short-term metric. Should not try to time the market because it's really counterproductive. And then the last one is focusing on the stock and not the company. It's very, very easy to see the, the media hype around a particular stock and you can get wrapped up in that. But ultimately, you want to look at the company's long-term potential. If you're going to be a long-term investor, don't get too wrapped up in the here and now, the momentum one way or the other, because you can focus on these short-term stock fluctuations and these speculative gains, but the long-term stock prices, the, they're dynamic and they're influenced by a whole lot of different things like market sentiment, news, earnings reports. So um, be very, very careful as a long-term investor that you don't make one of those three mistakes. And if you want some help, if you need some guidance in terms of looking at those metrics, assessing the risk, looking at the different insurance policies and making sure that they fit your financial plan, if you need help with that, let us know because that's what we do. That's we'll right. help you put your financial plan together. We'll help you look for the pitfalls and we'll help you fix the things that need to be fixed. Well, there you go. Again, if you'd like to dial in during the week, there's no cost for those questions. 855-767-3123. Love to have you at the webinar this week. Make sure that you register. And it's been wonderful once again to have you on board, Dina. We will see you again. It's always good to see you. Yeah, next time around, we'll hope to have you again here soon. So take care. Talk to you again next time on another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. See you.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.